I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Today I'll be speaking with Jasmine, and Jasmine takes us through her two birth stories. The first, she was 16 years old, and it was an unexpected pregnancy. She ended up having an episiotomy and then some postnatal depression and anxiety, which went undiagnosed for quite a while. She then takes us through feeling really anxious in her second pregnancy, and then into her birth story, which actually ended up being a really healing experience. So this is a really great episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hi, Jasmine. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. Um, so I'm Jasmine, obviously, and we live in Pleasant Point, which is just out of Timaru, just slightly inland. Um, and I have two lovely children, Alexa, who is six, and Lincoln is one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are expecting another baby in May. Um, we obviously live with my partner, Carlin, and um, yeah, I work from home and Carlin's a truck driver. So that's us, really. We're pretty, you know, mediocre family, just living <laughs> life. Awesome. Congratulations on the third pregnancy. Thank that's very exciting. Much. Yes, it is. No <laughs> Um, and what was the journey like to pregnancy for you the first time around? So with Alexa, I was actually a teen mum. I got pregnant at 16, which was um, a bit of a whirlwind, as you can probably imagine. So obviously found out I was pregnant. Um, you know, one, miss up, one mishap and you end up with a baby. Yeah. How it always goes. So ended up pregnant with Alexa. Um, I actually ended up not dropping out of school, but I stopped going to school and finished my um, year 12 and year 13 year by correspondence um, yep. through the correspondence school. And so that was fine. And then obviously I just was pregnant with Alexa and everything was pretty fine with her pregnancy. Um, it was a pretty standard pregnancy. Say I was quite big with her. She um she was a nine pound two baby, so that was fun for a sixteen year old to have. Yeah. <laughs> I have learnt my lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was nothing. Nothing really happened in the pregnancy that was scary or anything. It just yeah was more the birth and everything that surrounded it that was horrible. Um, yeah. 
but yeah. Cool. And did you go to any antenatal classes or anything like that before you went into labor? Yeah, I did actually. I went to a one run by a Catholic social services in Dunedin. Um, and it was for young sort of young mums um, who I guess were just looking for some extra support. Um, I had a really supportive family, but um, I actually did it on my own for Alexa. She was, I was pretty much a single mum for a few years and um, yeah. it was quite helpful to have other young mums in the same situation. So yeah, the birth support group was really good and I found it quite um, interesting and quite just everyone's different journeys, I guess, on how they got there and yeah, their life experiences and all of that sort of stuff. And we had a really lovely lady who ran it. She was really passionate about young mums especially. Um, and so she ran it and we always, she always provided lunch and, you know, coffee and tea and all of those things. And it was just quite a nice way kind of community actually. Yeah. Awesome. That's very cool. And did you go into labor naturally the first time or how was that experience for you? So with Alexa, yeah, I did. She, I spent about six days overdue, which is fine. Um, and I went into preterm labor. So I was sort of having quite painful contractions every, I don't know, maybe every 10 minutes for about 24 hours. And then I rang my midwife because I was a panicking young teenager. Um, and she came and checked me out. And she was like, well, you're only a centimeter dilated, so there's no point in doing anything. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was fine. I sort of just kept on, you know, just went through the night sort of having those contractions and stayed at home. And then the next day they sort of kept coming. They were very irregular. So I would have like five and 10 minutes and then I'd go back to having one every 10 minutes. And it was really, which is probably quite normal for a first time labor. And um, so they sort of were like, well, we can't do anything. And I'm sitting there kind of panicking because my contractions are very much the same pain the whole way through. They just get longer. I don't know if it's the same for everyone else, but so even those early ones are horrifically painful, but they just don't last as long. And I don't think yeah. they were understanding where I was coming from. Um, and then, so I think that was the, I'll get my days right because it's six years ago. Um, <laughs> so I think I went into labor on the, was it the Monday? Yeah, and then so the Tuesday night, we went into hospital um, and that was fine. And they were kind of like, wow, you're only two centimeters now. So it's like, oh, my gosh, I've only dilated like one <laughs> centimeter in 12 hours. Are you serious? Um, And they were like, we can't do anything for you. You're not an active labor. There's nothing. We can't give you an epidural. We can't do this. And I was like, well, what can you do? <laughs> um which was obviously nothing. And then, so yeah. I just basically labored, labored in the hospital for the next 24 hours, really. Um, my mum actually came down with pneumonia while we were there and she was really, oh, really no. sick and she couldn't speak. So she couldn't actually, you know, say anything to them like, can you please get her this or do this? And so it was really just, we had to trust in the professionals and that's fine usually. 
Um, and my grandmother was there too, which was nice, but she was frustrating me as well because she kept touching yeah. me and rubbing my back and I'm like, don't touch me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I was just irritated. Um, so yeah. that's fine. 24 hours in the hospital, just laboring and not being able to do much. And then was it Wednesday night? So Wednesday night, they were like, well, you're still only like three centimeters dilated. You're not dilating very fast. You're better off to just go home. So they sent me home at about 10.30 at night. Um, So I went home. We went. I went to bed. And then I think it was about 1 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning, my waters broke um, with a contraction. And then I got up, went to the toilet. More of them came, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was stuck on the toilet having a contraction. Like, <laughs> And then they just started rolling, and they were like, every minute and they just didn't stop and that was fun got in the car and I'm like yelling at everyone like hurry up <laughs> I need to get back to the hospital um and so my mum's driving my nana's in the passenger seat I'm kneeling in the back of the car just hanging on behind to one of their headrests because I couldn't sit <laughs> which is probably totally not okay and we lived about 15 <laughs> minutes out of Dunedin so my mum was sort of hightailing it into town and then we get to all these red lights and I'm like, just run them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if we get to the hospital, it's all fine. Um, eventually we get upstairs and they just sort of let me labor again. They didn't really give me anything. My midwife, I actually had my backup midwife for the birth. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think she hadn't been in the industry long enough and didn't have the confidence to sort of tell um, I guess the hospital midwives and the hospital staff, what she wanted done for me. Yeah. Um, and so when they would say, well, no, we're not doing that. She would just let them sort of overrule what she thought was best. And um, right. I didn't actually, I'd already said I wanted a epidural and I basically didn't even get the option given to me when I got back into hospital and was obviously in a place where I could have one mm. being in active labor by then. And so I think, they gave me gas, which sort of helped, but I started to get really um, panicked and I was like, something's wrong, something's wrong, and no one was listening to me. And it turns out she was posterior, so obviously her back's facing my back when it should be facing mm-hmm. my tummy. Um, so I was having back labor as well, which is why I was saying something's wrong because – to me, it felt not normal. Yeah. Um, and everything you're told when you, before you give birth is, oh, you know, it's just contractions in your tummy and righty rights. I didn't really get told that you could labor in your back. So I wasn't expecting it. And um, I actually wanted a water birth, which didn't happen because half of the maternity ward had no power, um, which was <laughs> all of the rooms that had. Right the birthing pools and the baths. <laughs> yeah, great. I was like, yeah. I'll just get it in the cold and in the dark. I don't care. <laughs> no. I'm like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, but I want to be in a bath. <laughs> so I end up head down, bum up in the shower with, I think my mum was just hosing my back with the shower for a good couple of hours. Like I just was, one, I was exhausted because I'd been awake for basically three days. And yeah. two, being so young, I think, it was quite a traumatic experience up to there um, just because I felt really unsupported by the staff and really unsupported 
you know, when I'm saying something's wrong, my body's telling me this and no one was listening. So I felt really alone and very unheard, I guess is the word. Yeah. Like I just felt like my voice yeah. wasn't being heard. So anyway, so I'm in, in the shower till about seven in the morning. Sorry, not seven. It would have been about four, four in the morning. And then I'm like, I need a push. So we, I get up on the bed. I'm pushing for a good three hours. Yeah, three hours mm. before my midwife actually said, oh no, her heart rate's skyrocketing, um, the baby that is. And so then it was rush, rush, get the registrar or surgical, whatever they are, <laughs> get them in. And it was basically, right, Jasmine, we need you to push. We're going to do this. Um, we're going to put a suction cup on her head and we're going to have to sort of cut you down. Cut. So they cut my perineum. And the episiotomy, no pain relief. There wasn't any time. So it was basically slice, (laughs) put a suction cup on, right, push with your next contraction and we'll pull, which is the most excruciating thing I've ever, ever (laughs) felt in my life. I I don't know what, I think it was the pushing while someone's pulling. Like it Mm -hmm. felt unnatural. (laughs) It was really horrible. Um, So I think it was probably three pushes and pulls and she came out. and. she followed, so she came out, and then following her was about a litre of blood. So I hemorrhaged, mm-hmm. and while all this is happening, they're putting her on me, giving me a local injection, and trying to stitch me up. My mum's holding a light to shine on me bits so that they can stitch oh it my up. goodness. And she's like, and I'm wriggling on the bed, like, because I can still feel everything, and I'm ho- trying to hold yeah. on to this newborn baby. And I'm like, someone grab her because I'm going to drop her. And then mum's like, I think she needs more local. They gave me another one. And anyway, finished stitching me up. That was all fine. And then we were just, I think I had the injections to stop me bleeding um, and to get my placenta to come out. So they're, you know, pushing down and trying to get all that to happen. And so that all happened. That was fine. They're like, well, if you don't stop bleeding in the next five minutes or it doesn't slow down, we're going to have to take up to surgery because we think your cervix is torn. I stopped bleeding, so I didn't have to go and have surgery, thank God. Um, yeah. But basically, that's her birth. And after that, I, you know, 20 minutes later, I get up and have a shower. Um, <laughs> oh, I had quite a high pain tolerance, so it was fine after that. Like, the stitching and everything didn't bother me too much um, once it was all done. Like, I was quite swollen. I think they put, um, what is it called, Voltaren, like, up my bum. <laughs> which I never oh, heard okay. of. No one prepared yeah. me for that. And they did it at the same time. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> um, but apparently it absorbs it faster, which uh, means yeah. Yeah. you've got swelling sort of down there. They're sort of trying to yeah. get it to calm down. But yeah, I'd never heard of that. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my yeah, God, neither. <laughs> they did this. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was fine. Um, and then I obviously had a shower and then I walked down the hallway into our shared bedroom with three other women and their newborns. Um, yeah. and then, so that was about seven thirty in the morning and then 11 PM that night, um, finally the pediatrician comes around and she says, oh, her breathing's a bit fast. Oh, she might have an infection. We'll just take her up to Naku and you know, start her on some antibiotics and rah rah 
So, 16-year-old me's in a hospital by myself with this new baby. Oh, <laughs> I've got like, gosh. I'm like, I've had this baby with me for nine months and you're just going to take her away from me. <laughs> so, they take her up to Nico and she's in there and she's this nine pound two baby. And there's like 24-week-old twins there. And I'm like, she should not yeah. be there. Like, it just looked wrong. Anyway, so they took a photo of her which they give to you. And I just kept staring at it back in the room, bawling my eyes out like, my baby's up here and I'm down here. Mm. <laughs> um, and then I think I got to sleep to about 4am, which was the only bonus. And then they come and got me, woke me up and said, oh, she needs feed. So I went up and fed her. Um, and she was up there for two days, I think. And then she didn't actually have an infection, which was fine, but I guess they just take precautions, um, which is absolutely yeah. fine. They're just doing their jobs. But I think just because I was so young and just so, I guess, trusting of them and I didn't necessarily understand everything that was going on. It was sort of, you know, no one was at the hospital with me at that time of night because they all have to leave by eight o'clock. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the phone to my mum and dad, bawling my eyes out like, oh, someone come and help me. They've just taken my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this emotional hormonal wreck. And so that's fine. The next two days she's out and she's happy as, and I didn't have many other issues with her. She was actually quite a good wee breastfeeder. We didn't really have any problems, to be honest. Like I got really cracked yeah. nipples and they were quite sore. And, but I think that's quite normal. Um, and apart from that, she was really good at it and she weaned herself at about nine and a half months. And that was awesome. it. We just stopped after that. Cool. And what about your recover, recovery personally? So both physically and emotionally, how were you adjusting to life with a newborn and were you living at home with your parents or? Yes, yeah, so I was living at home with my parents and I'm the eldest of five girls, <laughs> but it was quite good. I mean, I had so much support at home and my parents have always been, I mean, they were disappointed that I got pregnant at such a young age, but I guess the choices I made following that um, I wasn't just another teen mum. You know, I actually finished yep. my schooling, went to university. I did all of the things that I was going to do anyway. I didn't let it hinder me as a person. But I think emotionally after I had Alexa, I really struggled. I think, I think I had, no, I did have, I had postnatal depression. Um, the baby blues just kind of continued um, and they got worse yeah. progressively. But I guess that could have been down to a lot of things. I mean, I was isolated. I was at home all the time with this baby, still studying. I didn't have a lot of friends in Dunedin at this time. Um, it was very, yeah, just quite isolating. Quite Like I had my family, which was awesome. And I had friends previous to moving back to Dunedin um, from Blenheim and those sort of places. And, but you know, they're nine hours away. I couldn't just go and see them and hang out just to cheer me up. It was very, I was on my own, I felt. Yeah. Um, and with my parents dealing with four other kids, it was, they did their best. Like they really did. And they supported me as much as they could. But yeah, just being so young and being a parent, I just think there wasn't a lot of support for me. Yeah. In terms of what I was trying to do with my life, I think there's a lot of support for teen mums and stuff who kind of just want to, I don't know, just live. But I, I wanted to study and I wanted to go to university and they just couldn't understand it. Nobody yeah. could get the fact that this young mum wanted to keep living her life like a normal person. 
Like there was a lot of stigma around it and I struggled with that as well. I was very much of the mind, I'm not one of those statistics. I'm not going to stay yeah. on, you know, I'm not going to be on the benefit and I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to support her. And I did it. So I think that also didn't help with my isolation feelings because I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it. It was very, I, yeah, I just felt like I was alone. And I don't think that helped with the postnatal depression, um, which okay. I didn't really get diagnosed because then it just turned into depression. Once you've had it for so long, it's not postnatal anymore. It's just depression. Um, and it wasn't until she was about four that I actually went and saw a doctor and a counselor and said, Hey, look, still having all these feelings. Like I'm still living life and having to do what I have to do, but I feel like this and it's not nice. And I felt like this ever since I had her in Rady Ra. So that was a long journey to, to, um, actually sort of acknowledge that that's how I felt. And it was okay to feel like that. Um, and it was okay to, you know, get on some antidepressants or something to help with it, yeah. which did help. Yeah. But I feel like, again, I felt very stigmatized, <laughs> which yeah. I probably wasn't. It's probably all in my own mind that I judge myself so harshly and other people are like, oh, you're fine. But I'm very hard on myself and I beg the best for myself. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my journey with yeah. Alexa. Cool. And so... Obviously, you've got a second baby now. Do you want to talk us through the journey to that pregnancy? Yeah. Um. So, Carlin and I have been together. It's been coming up three years now. Um, and he, you know, we were friends for a couple of years beforehand, and he took on Alexa as his own and Randy Ra. Um, and we just, I think, we just ended up pregnant. <laughs> we both. Yeah. I think he he always wanted kids. And I, I had kind of, I really wanted another one, but I didn't know when. I was sort of at a place in my life where I was like, I'm still at university. I'm still trying to get where I want to be. Um, I'm still working. I'm, you know, I was just on that solo mum grind really when I met him. Um, and I don't know, it just happened. It really did. Him and I just ended yeah. up getting together and then we were pregnant not long later. Yeah. How did you find out that you were um, pregnant that time around? I, with Lincoln, we kind of suspected it. I actually had gone up north to see him because he was living in the North Island for the first few months of us being together. Um, and I obviously had unprotected sex and that's fine. And then I was sort of like, do we do anything about it? Like, do, do I go and take the pill? <laughs> and yeah. we just wing, we're just like, no, nah, let's wing it. Like, we weren't really worried. <laughs> And then it just happened, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, obviously, very fertile people. Ended up pregnant with Lincoln. Carlin moved down from the North Island, which he was already planning on doing before I got pregnant. And then, yeah, little little Lincoln arrived last year. And yeah, and was that pregnancy experience different to your first, or...? It was actually very different. Um, Alexa, I was really, really sick with morning sickness for about the first 14 weeks, which was the only thing that was wrong with Oh, And then I had third trimester sickness with her, but I always forget about that stuff because her birth's so crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then with Lincoln, I just, I wasn't sick. I didn't really feel anything. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, there's a baby. Like I knew I was pregnant, but yeah. I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel really tired or anything. Life didn't really have to change much when I was pregnant with him. 
um, he was really easy to be pregnant with, pregnant with. I didn't have huge cravings. Alexa, I craved chocolate all the time. Lincoln, I craved pies. <laughs> like, <laughs> was a little bit better. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing really, apart from really bad um, acid reflux, which I had with both of them. Um, that's yeah. a habit with him. He was real easy. Like, yeah. I'm like, I hope this one's a boy because he was so easy to carry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. please be another boy because they're easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about emotionally? How were you feeling with that after your experience of your first birth and obviously that being quite traumatic? So obviously I just said I was on antidepressants and stuff once I got diagnosed with sort of depression and anxiety. Um, I, t- I took myself off them when I found out I was pregnant with Lincoln because I had obviously read reviews and I was like, oh my gosh, I can do this and this. And that was fine. But over the pregnancy, my anxiety started getting really out of control, like really like panicking about giving birth. Like I was just so anxious about it. Um, just because of Alexa's birth, I was so petrified of having all these things happen to me without pain relief and not being prepared and not being supported. So I had made very clear to my midwife, who was amazing that I wanted an epidural and I wanted this, this, and this. Like I was like, I'm coming into hospital. I'm having an epidural. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Like that's it. I'm not going through this again. Um, and she was really supportive. She's like, that's fine. I will get you an epidural. Even if you're nine centimeters, she's like, if you are crowning, I will try and get you one. She's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I will. I think she said it to ease my mind. Like no matter what, yeah. she would do what she needed to do to get me through it without that happening again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously having hemorrhaged the first time, I would think I was classified as slightly high risk. So I had to see an obstetrician in about 28 weeks, 32 weeks, something like that, um, just to say, oh, yeah, well, we're going to give you, we have to put an IV in when you get into hospital just in case. And once you've had the baby, you'll have the injections to slow your bleeding again, just, you know, precautionary things to yeah. hopefully try and not hemorrhage. The major anxiety um caused me to reassess the medication situation at about 34 weeks. Um, my midwife and I decided it was probably best if I went back onto some form of anti-anxiety. Um, obviously, um, antidepressants fight anxiety at the same time. So basically just went yeah. back on an antidepressant, which really helped ease my fears. And it also was a buffer in case I did fall into that postnatal depression after yeah. giving birth again. Um, so yeah, we just, we were really cautious about how we did things and we put precautions in place just to try and make it a better birth, a healing birth, Uh, as she put it, (laughs) um, which was really, really nice. It was really good. And I felt very supported and very listened to this time, Yeah, but it was also different because I birthed in Tamaru with Lincoln, whereas I'd birthed in Dunedin with Alexa. Yeah. So very different hospitals, very different maternity wards and rules and things like that, which I think helped as well. Yeah. Awesome. And did you go into labor naturally this time or how did that experience go for you? Yeah. So Lincoln was four days early, which was really nice. It was a nice surprise. I (laughs) woke up on the, the Thursday morning I just, I guess I just had tightenings, like nothing painful, just every so often. I just felt my tummy sort of tighten up and I was like, oh yeah, 
That's fine. I'm getting close. It probably just Braxton Hicks. And then because Carlin at that stage had a job where he was working away most of the week. Um, so I rung him and I was like, look, I think you should come home tonight just in case. Uh, I'm just worried that it'll happen and you're going to be five hours away. <laughs> yeah. So he came home on the Thursday night instead of the Friday morning, which he was going to anyway. Nothing happened Thursday night, <laughs> which of course. <laughs> um, but Friday morning, I get up at the crack of dawn and I've got all this energy and I'm like cleaning the cars inside and out and I'm cleaning the house, <laughs> like spring cleaning everything. Like, oh my gosh, it was insane. I just had so much energy. And then, yeah. and then I'm weeding the garden and I'm doing all of this stuff <laughs> at like 39 weeks pregnant. And then I'm like to him, oh, you can take me out for lunch. Let's go and have some Indian. <laughs> Let's go have some Indian and see what happens. Got some Indian for lunch. And then I like curb walk back to the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to like just get everything moving a wee bit, I think. Um, and still having those tightenings. That was all good. And then about six o'clock on the Friday night, they started getting a little bit titchy sort of like oh yeah it's sort of period painy it's okay um didn't do anything went to bed went to sleep woke up at about maybe 12 to this weird feeling this it was like oh honestly if you've ever felt your waters break it is the weirdest thing on earth because <laughs> it wasn't with a contraction so it just felt like someone had a hook and they were like hooking it like a water balloon like a really thick one <laughs> That's what it, honestly, yeah. that's what it felt like. And then it just like, so it happened once and it makes this weird noise. And then the second time it happened, it made the weird noise again, but it like it was a pop as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's my orders. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got up, like, cool, that's fine. So I lost my orders, lost more of my orders. And then every contraction I had from then, I was losing huge amounts of orders, like for a good five hours. My midwife was like, I've never seen so much come out of someone. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So anyway, that's fine. I was like, okay, my waters are broken. I'll ring her, ring my backup because my midwife had gone on leave for the weekend. Um, ring my backup. Oh, my waters are broken. She's like, okay, well, just let me know if you, when you want to go to hospital. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Maybe an hour. And then, which was my anxiety speaking because I was, I just wanted to be somewhere in case things went wrong. I guess is my yeah. thing. Um, so I didn't wait very long at home. I made the bed. I changed the sheets, hung out some washing, got my sister-in-law to come and get Alexa, and then Carlin took me to hospital. We got there about 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not very dilated. They check, and they're like, yeah, you're only like two centimeters. I'm like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> and then so they're like, oh, we might go home and get some sleep, and we'll come back at about 7. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Obviously, I'm having contractions basically every three minutes, but then they can stop and they come every five. And, yeah, so, again, it was very irregular, um, but they were really painful at this stage. Once I, once my waters broke, they were very painful. Yeah. Just not regular, which was really horrible. So I'm sitting in the shower in this – we're obviously in a prenatal room, I guess, um, and I'm sitting in the shower with this hose on my back. Carlin's watching the iPad in the other room. Like, this is crap. <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> he must have been so bored. Um, and then <laughs> seven o'clock rolls around and she gets in and she's like, oh, you're only like, you've only dilated a little bit. And I was like, really? And I just felt my heart drop. 
And I wrung my mum in tears, like, it's just happening again. I'm just not dilating. They're going to leave me. They're not going to do anything. Like, I just panic. Yeah. And then Kelly comes back in, my midwife. She's like, here, have some gas. It'll calm you down. It'll, you know, it'll start, hopefully it'll relax you. Had the gas. Half an hour later, I dilated like three centimeters just from relaxing. So then Carl and obviously rang my mum and was like, she's okay. It's all happening now. And my mum's like, I'm already on my way. <laughs> she was like, I'm not letting it happen again. <laughs> and so she's driving up from Dunedin. Um, <laughs> so I just basically labor with the gas again. Um, and when I go to push, well, not push, but when I was having really bad ones and felt like I was going to need to push, like before it was sort of pushing time, Carlin, I had my arms around his neck and I was hanging off him. <laughs> I was not holding any of my weight and he's like holding me up and yeah, he had to go and get physio the next few days. Uh, <laughs> it was really sore, um, but that's fine. I had to push the baby out. Um, yeah. And so that was fine. My mum arrived at about 11 a.m. And they were sort of like, oh yeah, she's doing really well. And by that stage I was like, oh no, I need to push. I need to push. So I got in the bar, no water in it, with a Swiss ball, leaning over the Swiss ball. Harlan's holding me on the Swiss ball. I just couldn't hold my weight anymore. And then my sister arrived with my mum too. And she's like, and I was like, one of you needs to hose my back. But they're hosing my back and I'm pushing. And then I was like, it's burning, it's burning. And they all think I'm talking about the water. I'm like, oh, turn the water down, turn the water down. And I'm like, not the fucking water. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming at them, don't turn the water off. And then my sister's like, oh, there's a head. (laughs) Just real casually, there's a head. And um, my midwife, she just hands straight on, no glove, (laughs) just holding its head there. Well, my um, student midwife gets her glove on so she can deliver it. And then I think it was about maybe a push and he slid out. Wow. Well, maybe two pushes. He might have, his head might have come out and then another one. I don't know. It's very crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Dude. Yeah. He just sort of slid out. a different birth to your first one. Amazing. So different. And I was like, I could do that again. <laughs> yeah. I could do that again. That was easy. Compared to Alexis, yeah. that was easy. So he was perfect. He would just, he just came out and he was only seven pound 11 and, you know, no trauma. No, I had a little bit of tearing, nothing that needed stitches, which was awesome. My placenta came out, my bleeding stopped, you know, nothing like the first one. It was, yeah. it was really was a healing birth. Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. I'm really glad that you got that experience after your first one. Yeah. So am I actually, cause it makes me feel this time. Like I'm like, I already know I can do it. It's not a question yeah. in my mind, but like, obviously I was so dead set on having an epidural, but halfway through Lincoln's labor, I was like, Oh, no, it's okay. Like, I'll just keep going with the gas. And I really want to have a shower yeah. afterwards. And they're like, yeah, you can't have a shower. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was really my deciding factor was the fact that I wouldn't be able to get up and have a shower after giving birth. Which yeah. <laughs> sounds really ridiculous. And how did Lincoln go with breastfeeding? He had a bit of a tongue tie, but he was fine. So it was a little bit painful for the first, I don't know, a few weeks. But then, and like it, was painful actually for a couple of months, but like the first few weeks were worse because it was sort of cracked and they were a bit sore. But um, it just as latching. It was just when he latched on, it was just different latching from a normal baby, yeah. which is fine. Um, I didn't really, it didn't hinder his growth or anything, so we just left it. 
And it wasn't a huge chunk. It was just a little one. So I just think he fed a little bit differently. He didn't quite get quite a good, as, as deep a latch as most babies would. Yeah. And how did you go with having two babies at home? What was that experience like for you initially? It was okay because I only stayed in the hospital for a couple of hours and then we came home um, yeah. with Lincoln. And Alexa was just about to start school. So she was yeah. about a month off starting school. So, like, had him on the Saturday morning and then the Monday, Carlin took, I think Carlin took two weeks off. Um, and then the Monday we had to go and do a school visit and stuff. So I'm out of the house anyway with this capsule and righty rah. I don't, I don't know. I didn't find it too bad initially. Like, I started cooking dinner again straight away. Like, I just, I don't know, I just did what I had to do. I wasn't, I didn't find no. it really difficult. Um, until it sort of came to like school drop-offs when Carlin, no, no, sorry, like candy drop-offs and stuff when Carlin went back to work. I found that like getting two kids ready in the morning was a bit like, oh, yeah, this is so much harder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and trying to sort of tie in his naps with drop-offs and pickups and that sort of stuff was a bit more difficult. I think just being mindful that you've got another child. But yeah. all in all, I didn't, I think I kind of, I don't know, I just adjusted. It's just, it wasn't too hard for me initially. Yeah. Awesome. And you obviously got your period back because you're pregnant again. How long did that take <laughs> to come back? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I must have been about six months postpartum with both of them, I think. Oh, no. Yeah. Alexa would have been six months postpartum and Lincoln maybe a little bit earlier, maybe four, five. Yeah. Um, breastfeeding obviously doesn't, I think because my kids wean themselves, they sort of slow down their feeding when they start on solids. And I think it's about then yeah. that my period starts to come back. Yeah. And you've obviously had two really different birth stories. So is there any advice that you'd give to other mums or anything that you learned from those experiences that you want others to know? People need to know that if even if they have a horrific birth, it's not always going to be like that. And yeah, you really have to find a support group, even if it's one or two yeah. people, just so you yeah. don't feel alone, I think is the main thing. Um, like there are people that go through horrible things and you're not the only one. And it does get easier. It just takes a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's good advice. And when's your third baby due? Um, so this baby's due in May, mid-May, which will be quite nice for we winter baby. Yeah, lovely. Um, and do you have yeah. a plan of going back to the same hospital? Or? Yeah, so I am using my backup midwife I had for Lincoln's birth. Um, so she was the one that was at the birth, so she's my midwife this time. And, yeah, we'll just birth at Timaru Hospital again. Obviously, I'll have to have the hemorrhaging with the injections and stuff again just in case, just because yep. of Alexa's birth. Even though Lincoln's was fine, there's still that risk that I could hemorrhage, um, yeah. yeah, which I'm quite happy with. I would rather birth in a hospital just just to ease my mind, I think. I will keep an eye out for the announcement of your little baby. Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl this time or you're not finding no. out? I don't know yet. We'll find out in like three weeks. I'm just hoping it's a boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Even though Lincoln is <laughs> Dennis the Menace, he really is. Yeah. But I just want another boy. <laughs> so cute. 
Yeah. Oh, well, we'll all keep an eye out for the announcement, I'm sure. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so much for awesome. having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on today, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.